when we look outside of the medical field, you think a lot about customer service mm-hmm. and, you know, it, customer service in lots of ways drives the decisions that we make. You know, a lot of people enjoy Chick-fil-A. It's not necessarily that they have the best chicken sa- sandwich, but, you know, they definitely do provide that customer service that elevates their yep. product offerings. And when we think about, you know, the health space, a lot of times, you know, we just go in that space expecting not to be treated in a way that is very respectful and enjoyable. We just say this is something we have to do because this is the path I have to go to take care of my health. And what people are saying, you know, at least what we're finding out as part of this research is that they want something different. They want something that's meaningful. They want something that's enjoyable. They want a space where they feel comfortable, even in regard to their health. And, you know, so I think some of the things that we use outside of health to say, hey, let's make this an enjoyable experience for people. It's really important to bring that into the health space because it helps people feel better about themselves, which in turn helps them feel better about their health. You're listening to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Join Michael Holtz and his guests for conversations about all things ORAU. They'll talk about ORAU's storied history, our impact on an ever-changing world, our innovative scientific and technical solutions for our customers, and our commitment to the communities where we do business. Welcome to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Welcome to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Michael Holtz, in the Communications and Marketing Department at ORAU. And today we are talking about one of my favorite topics, um, ORAU Directed Research and Development Projects. And my guests today are working on one of these projects for fiscal year 2023. Um, I'd like to welcome back to the podcast both Brenda Blunt, who is Senior Director of Health Policy, and Davida Hammond, who is Safety Culture Program Manager at ORU. Ladies, welcome back to Further Together. Thank you. I'm so excited. I'm always excited to talk about our research because um, we've we've always been a research institution, but in the last few years, we've really... Um, put a much stronger focus on our overall research enterprise. And, you know, we've been doing ODRD projects for a long time, but we don't always shine a light on the work that our subject matter experts internally, as well as the relationships with our university partners who are involved in these projects. Um, You know, we don't always shine a light on that. So this podcast is an opportunity to do that with the project that the two of you are working on. So let's just jump right in and talk about for whichever of you wants to answer. Um, tell me a little bit about your fiscal year 2023 ODRD research project. So our FY2023 ODRD project is really looking at women's experiences using complementary and alternative medicine. Um, so anything from acupuncturists and, or chiropractors or functional medicine, we kind of have run um, a variety of experiences with different types of complementary and alternative medicine. And we've done qualitative interviews with women on their experiences, what led them to 
complementary and alternative medicine or CAM, as we've been referring to it, mm-hmm. um, what kind of their background is, what their experiences have been, how it differs from what we consider conventional medicine in the United States. And then we also did qualitative interviews with CAM providers to understand a little bit about their marketing strategies, how they reach clients, how they see their role within healthcare. So we've completed all the interviews at this point and are in our data analysis phase on looking at those services. And again, we really focused on women. We divert, we intentionally diversified our populations that we interviewed so that we could really look at kind of from a health equity base as well, different women's experiences. It's a really cool topic area. I, I love it. I mean, I, I'm personally a fan of complementary medicine. And, and um, while I'm not in your um, demographic for this study, um, I am a big fan. What is the, first of all, let me step back and ask, who is your um, university partner and how did that collaboration come about? So we have a great partner at Virginia Commonwealth University, VCU. Um, Suzanne it has been a phenomenal co-PI for this project. And they, we came about the collaboration through RUPO, um, connections. So as universities okay. submit ideas that they may want to look at doing an ODRD project with, and then RUPO shares those with the programs. Last year, Suzanne and BCU submitted this topic as a potential ODRD project. And Navita and I both found a, a strong interest in the project. Um, both from the CAM perspective, but also looking at women's experiences and where health equity plays into this. And just to add, Suzanne is the Associate Professor of Marketing in the School of Business at VCU. Okay. So the marketing topic is certainly um, one of the questions it sounds like that you're trying to answer in terms of how are, how are, complementary medicine programs marketed to women in particular. Um, right. And we're really finding out that it, a big piece of that is word of mouth. That's people have positive experiences. They're sharing that information with others. And, you know, when we think about women really looking for places where they feel heard and feel mm-hmm. valued, that word of mouth is really important. That's really interesting. Um, any any idea why that is, or or Davida, does it speak to sort of what you just said in terms of women feel heard and valued? So, because they've had that positive experience, they're more likely to share that with others. Yeah, I think it is related to a social context of women really enjoying shared social spaces. You know, you see that with, you know, I take it in my field kind of like quilting groups and mm-hmm. knitting groups and, you know, all of these shared social experiences. And that's where we really talk a lot about, you know, how is your health? You know, how is your mental health? How's your physical health? How's your family? How's your marriage? And so as part of those social spaces, these questions come up. And I feel that when, you know, people have these positive experiences or even the negative experiences, they're sharing that in their space. They're talking about how they don't feel heard 
at their conventional doctor's office. You know, they feel that, you know, they're not listened to when they speak up about a health concern. Whereas when they go into these cam spaces, they're talking a lot about how, you know, valued and how heard and how respected they feel in that space. And so, yeah, it definitely translates into these dinner parties and the other social spaces where people feel comfortable to share more of their personal life. Are there other significant questions that you're working to answer through this research project? Our primary is looking at women's experiences, how they differ. We're also looking at things like how challenging is it financially for women to use CAM providers? Most of the services are not covered by insurance. So we have also talked to women with a variety of ages, but also a variety of social economic status and insurance coverage. And what we found so far in our preliminary analysis is that most women have seen such great results from their CAM services that they make the necessary budget adjustments to be able to afford CAM. So they acknowledge that it's challenging to afford CAM services, but they're willing to make the changes they need to make in their budgets to be able to afford them because they've actually seen improvements in their health and they've gotten such a different aspect of care than what they've seen in conventional medicine. Wow. That's, that seems like a significant finding in terms of the economics of complementary medicine um, and making provision basically to, um, you know, make sacrifices elsewhere in the budget to get those services. And it makes sense if you feel better because you've, you know, had acupuncture or massage or whatever, you know, whatever that complementary medical service is. Um, yeah, it's really interesting because when we look outside of the medical field, you think a lot about customer service mm-hmm. and, you know, it customer service in lots of ways drives the decisions that we make. You know, a lot of people enjoy Chick-fil-A. It's not necessarily that they have the best chicken set, sandwich, but, you know, they definitely do provide that customer service that elevates their product offerings. And when we think about, you know, the health space, a lot of times, you know, we just go in that space expecting not to be treated in a way that is very respectful and enjoyable. We just say this is something we have to do because this is the path I have to go to take care of my health. And what people are saying, you know, at least what we're finding out as part of this research is that they want something different. They want something that's meaningful. They want something that's enjoyable. They want a space where they feel comfortable, even in regard to their health. And, you know, so I think some of the things that we use outside of health to say, hey, let's make this an enjoyable experience for people. It's really important to bring that into the health space because it helps people feel better about themselves, which in turn helps them feel better about their health and the trajectory of their health. Yeah, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Um, and I was just thinking, Davida, back to what you said earlier about women being hurt. I mean, there's, you know, this sort of history of, you know, women reporting, you know, symptoms that were missed or diagnoses that happen late because 
their their medical provider didn't take seriously the concerns that they brought to the traditional medical office. It sounds like in the complementary medicine world, it's a whole different experience completely from what women, you know, may be used to experiencing through traditional medicine. Agreed. What we've heard is that in the CAM space, women feel that there's more of a partnership, Mm -hmm. whereas in conventional medicine, there's more of a divide, a divide in education, a divide in language, a divide in, you know, space that makes me feel comfortable. You know, you think about your house, you have a couch, you know, you have music playing in the background, you have some of your favorite, you know, decor items around you, whereas you go into the medical space, it's very sterile. So, you know, there are all these ways in which the divide is reinforced in the conventional space, whereas in the camp provider space, they try to bring those elements in, you know, bring in aromatherapy, bring in music, bring in, you know, just that decor piece to make you feel comfortable in the space. And, you know, they don't talk down to you in a way, you know, they try to make the language plain so that you understand what they're saying. Whereas in the medical space, conventional medical space, it's just like, you know, the more complicated the language, you know, that's almost a way to say, oh, my doctor is very good because, you know, they pronounce words I can't even pronounce. So (laughs) really do think that this idea of taking medicine and treatment down to the level of the patient is really important. And that's what we're seeing in this CAM provider space. They do that so well that people are like, I feel embraced in this space and I feel like I want more of what you're offering. So typically what we've seen is that if people get engaged in one aspect of CAM, they're expanding their usage of it out to all these other areas. You know, Mm -hmm. they may start with a chiropractor or acupuncturist, and then they keep branching out and um, becoming more ingrained in this CAM space. Gotcha. That makes perfect sense. Um, Are there things that you've learned um, through your research that you didn't know before you started? I think um, one of the things is what we just talked about. You know, I found it interesting that women are making sacrifices to receive CAM services. Prior to doing the research, I always kind of just thought of CAM as one of those things that people that are very stable social with their social economics and had access to additional resources would be the ones using CAM. Um, So doing the research, we were able to find that that's not fully the case and that there are women that really do make sacrifices on things we would consider daily necessities to be able to see their CAM providers and achieve better health. Um, And I think really understanding the importance that women place on that and those same women it's not just about them. They're also making sacrifices that when they start feeling better, they've made it a family affair. So as DeVita was talking about, you know, our social networks and talking in these comfortable spaces, women start to take their children and their husbands and kind of extend this type of care once they've seen the difference that it can make when they felt dismissed by conventional providers and their symptoms aren't really addressed, but a CAM provider has been able to significantly help them they're willing to make additional sacrifices to get the rest of their family to go. And I think that has just, to me, validated the importance of 
the diversity that we need within our healthcare system, but also we need to take a different look at how we approach conventional medicine mm-hmm. and how we engage with people in setting their goals for their own health care. That makes perfect sense. Um, and it also sounds like a big nugget to um, approach, <laughs> you know, because um, the, the change would be significant um, in conventional medicine, but at the same time, sounds like would be tremendously beneficial both for providers and most especially for the patients. Yeah, and I would like to chime in on that question too. One thing that has really struck me as an interesting learning point is that when you think about healthcare providers, you think about conventional care providers on one side and CAM providers on another side. And what we have learned through this process is that, yeah, you do have some like that where some go to traditional conventional route and some go through, you know, CAM certification and acupuncture or other things. But then you still have a lot of people who have started in the conventional medical space and they saw where they were not able to give the full um, suite of options to their patients in terms of care and they wanted a better way. So some of them have morphed from conventional care to being CAM providers. And I thought that that was interesting that there is a desire even among providers to provide a better way for patients that you know, probably there is not, you know, a way to say that, oh, it should be always CAM or it should always be conventional. But people are looking for this middle ground for there to be a bridge between these two sides to say, you know, sometimes you do need the more conventional space. If there's right. a, a issue, you need to be able to move into that conventional space, get the testing that you need, the treatment that you need. But then there's also a space for CAM you know, sometimes you need that as a more um, preventive type of way to deal with, you know, pain or some other ailment. So I think it's interesting that even providers are saying that the best way could possibly be a marriage of the two. And I did not have that viewpoint coming into this research. I really thought that they were independent and separate completely. And the providers thought that way too. I gotcha. That makes that makes sense and that sounds like an interesting um phenomenon and, and maybe for additional research down the road is you know how how can the two be blended you know and perhaps offered in the same spaces um you know together uh, maybe i don't know so um so for both of you what happens next with um this research i know that you you've said you're You've done the interviews, you're looking at preliminary findings. Um, I assume at some point there'll be, you know, paper, poster, um, something, presentation down the road. Brenda, would you like to start? Sure. Sorry, go ahead. So, there definitely, we will look at publishing our results um, and we will likely look at publishing them in two different spheres of journals. So one more um, potential for nursing medical type journals, but also mm-hmm. then publishing them in the marketing research journal. Right. 
And then we are looking at submitting abstracts to a couple of conferences. We'll sort out which conferences feel um, like the best fit as those conference seasons start to ramp up. Sure. And we're also looking at, because we do think there's, you know, as you do research, you come up with more questions. Right. So we will look at future grant opportunities um, across a variety of opportunities and agencies but most notably, NIH has a few different opportunities out there that look like this type of research would tie in well with the work that a few different centers are doing. That sounds great. And that actually led to my next question in terms of, you know, can this research be continued? And it sounds like there are potentially opportunities for that to happen. Absolutely. And as I said, you know, when you do research, you wind up with more questions, <laughs> right. um, which is part of research. So we have started thinking about some of those things. And as we look at the analysis, it's like, oh, I would love to understand more about the financial impacts or mm -hmm. you know, what is the return on investment that these women feel and how do you really capture that when it's not a monetary, you know, being able to function in your life is not necessarily a monetary, you can't put a dollar sign on that. Sure. Uh, so how does that compare with the money that is spent on things that insurance doesn't cover, like supplements or acupuncture visits or chiropractor visits? Um, but that makes such a difference in the quality of life. I love that. Love that. So many more questions and answers to come, hopefully, um, and and hopefully more research to be done in this very interesting topic. Um, David and Brenda, anything to add before we wrap things up? Yes, I have something to add. Okay. Um, as part of the ODRD program, you know, we know that there's a strong emphasis on building capacity for research, and I really do think that this partnership um, between Brenda and myself has been, you know, an excellent example of that. My background is in environmental health, and Brenda is definitely the health policy expert in the room. And, you know, through this research, you know, she's been able to share things with me in this space that has, you know, given me greater capacity to do research in this area. And I just think it's really important to emphasize that, you know, if you have a skill set at ORU, mine being doing interviews and focus groups in the safety culture space. You know, you could take that and complement it with someone else at ORU that's an expert in another area. And that's a way to build capacity across ORU um, to do greater research. So I just wanted to mention that because I think it's important to encourage other people who are thinking about research to say, hey, you can do this. You know, all you have to do is find the right partner. And Brenda has been an excellent partner to work with. And I thank her for that. Well, and I will just add, Davida has been awesome. Being a relatively new employee at, at, o at ORAU, I did an ODRD last year, and I was able to do it because Davida jumped in and said, I'll help you. I've done them before. I will help you. And we really have forged this bond. And we are two people who our normal day-to-day -day work does not intersect. Right. So being that opportunity to kind of work across the lines and with people with diverse backgrounds does build that capacity and it builds it in a few different ways, but it really helps to form this community within, within ORAU and expand our own horizons. Mm -hmm. 
on, you know, professional development, personal growth, by looking at things that you may not have necessarily done on your own um, or with the other people that you work with on day to day. But Davida and I both brought different skills to these projects and in that have formed a great relationship that now we're, we think, oh, well, what else could we work on together? Sure. And it kind of opens up doors that neither one of us would have looked at individually. I love hearing that. And I know that um, Hen Tobin in the Research and University Partnerships Office will love hearing that as well, because um, I know that as the research enterprise has been you know, sort of refocused and, and rethought and thinking strategically, that um, that's kind of been an important element for him is kind of breaking down those walls and, and folks working more and more together. So this sounds like a fantastic template for the future of research at ORAE. With that being said, thank you both. Um, Brenda Blunt and Davina Hammond for being on Further Together and talking about your incredible research project. And I hope at some point we can come back and talk more about um, this particular project, but maybe some of the work that develops as a result of this project um, and learn more about this, the importance of complementary medicine and um, how women are accessing it and um, how it's being marketed, all of those things. So thank you both so much. I appreciate your time today. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for listening to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. To learn more about any of the topics discussed by our experts, visit www.orau.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at ORAU and on Instagram at ORAU Together. If you like Further Together, the ORAU podcast, we would appreciate you giving us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews will help more people find the podcast.